uh, just jump into the word uh, this morning. Uh, been very excited about it and uh, looking forward uh, through this series. It's, uh, it's getting me stirred up and excited uh, as well. Uh, and so I, I think that's always a good thing, right? You know, we've been uh, seeing a lot more masks around lately, haven't we? I, I just had a couple of thoughts on those. I, you know, you know my challenge with masks and how the Lord kind of rebuked me about it a little bit. And then uh, I, I just want you to know I did pass the test this time. Okay, I went to uh, I went to Trader Joe's and I'm walking around. Well, if you have glasses, it's really no matter what kind of fog proof you put on them. It just fogs them up, you know, and then I honestly just have a real struggle breathing with that mask on So I thought a good compromise would be to put it here because uh, Just below my nose because it's the spittle that my nose doesn't de release That I know of that causes the problem Okay, if I really put some force into it And so I'm cruising around happy with my mask on thinking actually a little, a little happy with I, that I got it on I just got it on. And uh, a lady walks up to me <laughs> and very <laughs> harshly says, <clears throat> your mask is not over your nose. And uh, really was really testing me. <clears throat> but I passed the test. I only hit her once. No, I didn't hit her. <clears throat> I passed the test. I did nothing. I walked by. Admittedly, I did not pull my mask up, but I walked by out of her sight and got away from her and was happy with that. So I just want you to know, as your pastor, I'm growing. All right? Yeah, there we go. All right, so I called ahead, and they said masks and gloves was enough to go to the grocery store. They lied. Everyone else had clothes on. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. Oh boy. This is kind of a true one here, just kind of the reality of it. Uh, and, and, and as everybody knows, we're not against masks here. If you feel comfortable wearing them, do it, please. Use, use your wisdom. It says, I just removed my mask to sneeze into my sleeve. Am I doing this right? <laughs> That's really true, isn't it? There's so many different variables in the mask thing that it's hard to know what is right or what's wrong. You know, you got a gazillion masks on. Some of them are halfway over their mouth. Some of them are, you know, down here on their chin. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, uh, unfortunately, it gets a little comical. I was going to bring a bunch of pictures of different types of masks that people have created, but I thought we better get into the Bible. Psalms 34 and verse uh, 3 says this. It's the verse we've kind of kicked off of. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Let's lift up his name. Let's lift up all that he is. That's it. Everything that he is, let's lift that up And as a people. And we've, we've looked at that each time. And we want to grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we're seeing, I hope, and we will continue to see that we do that through knowing his names. And that's why there's 67 different names used over 6,800 times throughout the Bible. And, and so he's, he's wanting to say something to us about it. And we said at the beginning, if we want to receive the power, which was the initial 
first name of God, Elohim, you must pursue the relationship, which is Jehovah, and we said it's like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, the different ones that help us to really to connect with God and to know him a little bit more, uh, that, and, and that you must pursue the relationship uh, uh, with Jehovah by submitting to the master Adonai. And so it all kind of ties together that we build relationship with the almighty creator and we let him really become our master in everything in life, not just in the areas that we choose. The ones that we like, the, okay, God, we'll give you that one and that one and that one. I'll still hang on to this area or that area. That's not his desire. So this week we're gonna look at uh, Jehovah Saba. Jehovah Saba, and it's uh, spelled T-S-A-V-A, but it's pronounced uh, uh, S-A-V-A, Saba. And it means the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. And what we're gonna look at briefly this morning is the, from the, it comes from the encounter with David and Goliath. And David learned how to really put his trust in God's ability to fight off all of his giants. And we know through his life that he had a number of them that we're going to hear about in just a moment. Uh, but he learned how to do this, and he became a giant killer. He became one of the greatest kings ever. And, and it's an amazing story when you think about David and all that he went through and all that he, you know, his, his successes, his failures, that he comes out at the end of the day being, the, I think, the only person in the Bible that God says, man, you're just a man after my own heart. And I just thought, Lord, I hope you can say that to me when I get to heaven. Because my heart was always with you. My heart was always for you. I kept it hot and burning for you. And, 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 and it's just an amazing guy. He went through a lot, but he came out shining. The goal of this message is to learn how to gain victory over your challenges, over your fears, and over your giants. And when you think about life and, and, and try to put it in the proper perspective, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a giant. There's only very few people in my life that I've talked to that said they didn't have a giant and not telling them, I walked away thinking, well, you do, it's called pride and you won't admit it. But we all have these giants that we, 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 we have around us attacking us, trying to, uh, to steal, kill and destroy us and, and, and oftentimes we just either learn how to live with them or we believe the lie of Satan himself that says you'll never overcome this. You're going to have to learn how to just be bedfellows with it the rest of your life and hope that the grace of God covers it. And we've come out of some very wrong teaching about grace because of that type of thinking. And, and, and uh, grace is, is the ability to overcome anything and everything. Can I just say it one more time? Grace is the ability to come over anything and everything. You can overcome it. And, and when we really realize that, I find that the lie that steals people's life is that no, you can't. And, 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 uh, and we hope to look at some scriptures here today and the faith comes to us by the word of God this morning and we would see how no, we can overcome those things. We can overcome the addictions. We can overcome the, uh, the different fears. We can overcome lust. We can overcome pornography. We can overcome uh, greed. We can overcome all these things that, that have, have come into our life. Oftentimes as we've grown up, they've gotten into our lives and they find and they take root and it's hard for us to get those out. 
And oftentimes all we do is like with dandelions, we pull the top off of them and guess what? They just come back. And if you do that enough times because you got a heart, you got a good heart, I got a good heart, but I just keep pulling the tops off and it keeps coming back, guess what? You begin to get weary with that. And then the enemy begins to plant the seed, the lies. And remember, the Bible says he is the best liar you'll ever talk to or hear from. He's the father of lies. But man, if you can get past that, and I think that David learned some things that will help us to become a giant killer because you don't wanna, you don't wanna keep stuff hanging on to your life that you know that God doesn't want there. And again, it can be intimidation, it can be any kind of uh, shortcoming that we might have. And he learned a few things. David learned a few things that changed his perspective. And that's what I'd like to start with this morning. Perspective is everything. How I see and perceive things is everything. And, 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 and when my perspective is right, it changes everything. But listen to this statement here. Listen to this statement here. If all you see is what you see, then you do not see all there is to be seen. Let me say that again. If all you see is what you see, natural eye, then you do not see all there is to be seen. The Apostle Paul addresses that when he says, you know, what's visible really isn't what's true. But what you don't see, what's invisible, this is what's real. This is what God's trying to get us to see is the unseen. He wants you to see the kingdom of God. He wants you to see himself high and lifted up. Tell me, you can't get excited if you begin to see God high and lifted up. You see him on the throne. You see him where he's at and what he's doing. You see him working all around you. You see him working in you. You see him working through you. Guess what? You begin to get excited about that. But you, you got to get to that. You got to have the right perspective for that. The enemy's goal is to keep you to only seeing what you see. And I want to just challenge that up just a little bit with us this morning. Remember Elisha, and I've said this story not too long ago. I'll give you the verse in case you weren't here, didn't remember, didn't hear it. 2 Kings chapter 16 and verse 17, it says this here. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. If you remember his servant woke up in the morning and it was uh, peeped out of the, uh, the tent and saw uh, the whole army there coming against them. And, and he ran back and he gets Elisha that he was uh, tenting with and he wakes him up and says, man, are we in trouble? And Elisha's like, what are you talking about? Elisha walks out of the tent and he sees the same first group of warriors all around him. But you know something? He didn't stop there. He then saw the army of God yeah. on the, right behind him. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is so cool. It's such an amazing story. And he says, and then Elijah prayed. And this is what I'm hoping happens this, happens this morning. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. <laughs> it was perspective. He saw Salah. He saw the army of the Lord around him. Now tell me that doesn't change things for you, even though the enemy's right there before you. You still see beyond that. You see what's really real. 
And then all of a sudden, you're able to uh, connect with God about it. A young boy, uh, and this is really perspective, a young boy lost or dropped, popped out one of his contacts onto the carpet. He looked for it for over 30 minutes until he finally called his mama and said, Hey, mama, I, I lost my, my contact and I cannot find it. And the mom walks in, looks around. In 30 seconds, she finds it. The boy's like amazed. What in the world? How in the world did you find that contact so fast? She says, son, we were both looking for two different things. You were looking for a contact. I was looking for the $150 that was down there. <laughs> and it's just perspective, isn't it? How do we see things? We'll determine how we live life. Everyone sees things different. The one that sees it right is the one that can win. And what we're going to see is David does the same thing. He comes to the, the, the battle. I want to try to do this. I don't know that I can, so I'm just going to try to do it. Okay, I'm not going to act this out. Okay, don't, don't, don't be afraid. Uh, <laughs> but I want to skim, skim through the story quickly and then stop and highlight on a few verses. So if, I, if you'll let me do that, I... I I warned Kat, who does an amazing job up there, uh, that, that this won't be easy, okay? And it won't be easy for me either. I don't even think I can do it, but I'm going to try it anyway. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, that's the chapter that we want to look at. And I just want you to write that down and really uh, ask each one of us here to read through that this week. And I believe the Holy Spirit will highlight so much more to you than what we would be able to, uh, to go through and talk about. So are we ready? Put on your seatbelt. Let's go. Put on your Bible belt, let's just say. All right, the Philistines now, uh, they mustered up the army for battle, and they were camped between two mountains and a valley. This is the setting of it. And the Philistines were on one side, and the Israelites were on the other side. Uh, then Goliath, verse 4, a Philistine champion from Gath. He was this huge guy. Goliath was said to be uh, 9 foot 6 inches tall, if you can imagine that. I'm about 5'11". He was nine foot, so you can imagine the towering over that uh, this person would have been. He was nine foot. It said he had a bronze helmet, he had a bronze coat, and, he, and it weighed 125 pounds. I just think about the, the, the strength and the muscle of this guy, just even walking around with that all day. He also wore bronze leg armors. Uh, he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. Uh, the shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Think about 15 pound bag of potatoes. It's pretty heavy, it's, this is a big thing. This is gonna hurt you if it even just falls over on you. Okay, this is a dangerous thing. But this is a big guy completely covered with armor and the, if you can just envision it in your mind, it's all metal and bronze and shiny and he's got this big spear and it's got a big giant arrowhead on the end of it that weighs 15 pounds and he's carrying, and then in front of him, it says his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. So this guy was something and he had some protection around him. He should have been the safest person on the then known planet. I mean, this is who he was. And, Everyone was afraid of him. So now we're going to jump into verse 8, which I think you should have up there uh, somewhere. <coughs> Is that 8? Yeah. Yes. I wish I could read that. I would know that, you know. 
All right, Goliath stood, and listen to this, Goliath stood and he shouted a taunt across to the Israelites, two mountains, a valley. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am a Philistine champion, but you are only the servant of Saul. If you remember when Israel wanted a king like everybody else had, you know, God didn't want them to have the king, but like everybody else, they wanted one. So what did they do when they were choosing? It says, if you read about Saul, he was head and shoulders over everybody. I don't believe he was nine foot six, but he was, uh, he was a big guy. He was, uh, it says he was head and shoulders ever over everyone. And, and this is what uh, Goliath is calling out. He's saying, hey, what are you little peewees doing? Where's Saul at? And that is a good question if you think about it. Where was Saul for this battle? This had been going on for 40 days. He'd come out and taunt him and go back. Nobody would do anything. And I, and I just thought about that. I thought, wow, man, where was Saul? He was out hiding somewhere. He just sent his army there. Bad pastor, you know, bad leader. He says, choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then he will be your slave. But if I kill if I kill him, you will be our slaves. And then verse 10 is where he starts to get himself in trouble. I defy the armies of Israel today. So he took it past uh, just a, a small thing and he's defying the whole group. And it says, send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, listen to this, they were terrified. They were deeply shaken. <laughs> All they saw was this giant guy going to come after him. And so he put fear into them with those words. Verse 12, he goes on to say this. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. And some of you remember the story, even in picking David as the king, uh, the prophet came went through all the sons and said, you know, this is, this is, this, none of them, do you have another son? And Jesse wasn't really quick to say yes at this point because all he had was David, little uh, runty David, maybe the runt of the family, just runty David, he wasn't willing to say it. And finally, after the prophet pushed, you must have somebody else. He says, oh yeah, by the way, I do have a son. He's, it couldn't be him. He's out tending the sheep. We, we don't even let him in the house hardly. And so th th that's what the story is here. And he pulls him out of it. And then this is where he's at. So one day, Jesse had this. And he, had t uh, he, he took his son. He called him in verse, uh, well, let me back up to verse uh, 16. For 40 days, morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. So this went on and on and on. Now, I want you to remember that one scripture. Went on and on and on. For 40 days, Goliath would walk out through his army, make this statement, who's going to fight me? I'm ready. If you fight me and you win, we will all be your slaves. That's a big price. And then verse uh, 17, he says this here. One day, David, uh, one day Jesse said to David, and I don't think this one's on there. One day Jesse said to David, take, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and Carry them quickly to your brother and give these 10 cuts of cheese, probably like a pizza or something maybe, I don't know, to their captain. And, and see how your brothers are getting along because now 40 days now, he hasn't heard anything. There's no report here. There's no, been, there's no war being won by the Israelites. And so the, Jesse, the father, is getting concerned. He says, man, go find out about these guys. 
What is taking them so long? And that's when David, that's when he sends David out to the army. In verse 29, he says, uh, uh, or verse 28, it says, and David's older, oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men and he was angry. This kind of gives you a setting for what his brothers thought about him. Uh, maybe you've had some people run you down or maybe family members that didn't look up to you or, or that type of thing. This is really what's happening. Eliab heard David talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. And he just kind of chides David. And David's just kind of looking around thinking, what is going on here? You're right. Why, what are we doing around here? And then uh, in verse uh, uh, 29, David says, well, what have I done now? I was only asking a question. <laughs> and he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. And then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. So his question is, what's really going on here? Nobody's listening to him. His brothers are mad at him. And now he's at the point where the, uh, the, the king wants him to come to him so he can talk to him about what he's just said. Because you, if you read that chapter, you'll find that the king actually offered quite a bit for the person that would go fight Goliath. There was a big offering for that, his daughter and a few other things. In verse 33, uh, or verse, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 32, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Wow. Little runty David. Never been to the war. Never was equipped. Never was trained for this. And he's the only one that's saying, man, we gotta, we got to get up here and do something. And so Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, or Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. And, and, and you can hear just intimidation coming and put down coming to this young man who comes now into a setting and is kind of saying, wow, I don't get this. Why is the army of God, which is Israel's army, why is the army of God not taking care of this situation? What is the problem here? That's his perspective. What's wrong with this? Why isn't it working? He saw the miracles of God. He knew Elohim. He'd experienced him, and that's what he begins to say here uh, back to Saul. But David said to Saul in verse 34, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took out a lamb of the flock, I went after it, and I struck it, and I delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, I struck it, and I killed it. Yeah. Wow, building a resume. <laughs> you know, he's starting small, but he's building this resume. And he's, now he's trying to tell these guys, hey, you guys are you're not getting it yet. In verse 36, he says, your servant has... Uh, both uh, uh, has killed both a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Man, he had a right perspective. Yeah. They were all looking way up here. They were all looking way up here at this head and shoulders guy, and David was looking straight across at his five foot five. And guess what he comes up and says? He is an uncircumcised Philistine. He understood that circumcision in the Old Testament meant that you were in covenant with God. Yeah. Goliath wasn't. He didn't go to the doctor's appointment. <laughs> didn't make it. And so now David's saying, man, I don't know everything, but I do know this. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. He's out of the covenant of God. 
And therefore, he does not have that working for him. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he killed the bear too, as you know, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that I would have been confident with that response. You know, go, the Lord will be with you. You know, I, I don't know. I just Something strikes me about that that's a little bit funny. It's a little bit scary. In verse 40, it says, he took his staff in his hand and he uh, chose for himself five small, smooth stones. And, uh, you know, part of the, the story that we won't go into, part of the story was that Saul said, here, put on my armor. And he put on all of this armor. Remember, he's head and shoulders too. He puts all this armor, this heavy armor on this little guy. And you can just almost envision him standing there like this here, barely holding it up. And, and, and finally, he stops and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, 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 time out. I've never tested this armor. I don't know that it's going to work. Now, I want you to think for just about a minute here on this thought. Because so often we think that somebody else has some better armor than what I have. Or if I just had what they had, if I just had the faith that they had, if I just had the courage they had, if I just had it, can I just say to you, their armor won't fit you. God has already fitted you with your armor. He did that in your mother's womb. You're well able to overcome every giant that you come against. But I have to have the perspective right, right? Back to that perspective. Where's the, you know, where's the perspective at? How do I get the right perspective? And, and so he goes through that whole thing and they put away, you know, he takes off the armor and then he says, forget it. I'm gonna move forward with what I have. That's when he gets five stones and a sling and he goes after him. He has no armor on, he has nothing on. Talk about getting the enemy mad, huh? So let's just pick it up in verse 41. Then the Philistine came uh, on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him or he taunted him. He was mocking him. He began to mock him. Remember that scripture. He disdained him. He mocked him. He made fun of him. And, and uh, for he was but a youth and Rudy and, uh, and, and with a handsome appearance. I don't know how all that fits in there, the story, but it does, okay? In verse 43, the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And, a, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Trouble too. The Philistine also said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. What was he trying to do? Trying to strike fear into him. What's the enemy's biggest tool, I think, sometimes that he uses against us? Fear. Fear of loss, fear of failure, fear of many things. And, and, and the Bible addresses that a lot. Verse 45, and then David said to the Philistine, come to me with a sword and a, uh, or, or, excuse me, then David said to the Philistine, to, to Goliath, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you. Say it with me. In the name. Would you say that with me? In the name. The whole series is about in the name. Do we know God and do we know his names and are we, are we walking in those? Have they become a revelation to us so that we can walk them out? Is exactly, he says, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Saba. Remember I said a Sunday or two ago, 
Oftentimes we will learn the names of the Lord in the midst of a challenge. And this is where he's getting this. And now all of a sudden, the revelation is coming. And actually has come to him already. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. And, and uh, you know, he did not have confidence in his flesh. Uh, you come to me with the fleshly things, the sword, the javelin. I'm coming to you with the spiritual things. And what we need to do is to learn to see the spiritual things. And then, and then respond with the spiritual things. Verse 46. The day of the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead body of the armies and the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. <laughs> wow, what an awesome statement. His whole heart and his whole goal was not to do something natural but to do something supernatural and it would all bring glory to God because he chose the smallest little sheep herder to come and do it. And I just think, God, how many of us sit out there thinking we're a nothing or a nobody when God wants every one of you to come in the name of the Lord and to defeat the giants first in your life, okay? Starts defeating your own giants and then you step out and you begin to remove some of the other giants that are in the land. Come on, that's worth an amen. Come on, you remove the giants in your life, and then God will use you to remove the giants in the land. Amen. Some of the reason we can't remove the giants that are in our land right now is because we haven't removed the giants in our own life. And God's saying, come on, come on, I'm calling you. I'm pulling you. I'm tugging you. Don't think so small. Get your perspective changed. I just love this thing about David. Verse, verse uh uh, 47, uh, and all of the assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Verse 48, so it was when the, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. If you read this story, earlier on it said when Goliath came out, the army of Israel ran from him. David is now running to him because he knew through the lion and the bear and through learning about God in the wilderness because he was a worshiper and because he was a prayer and you read it that he could do this thing. And so David ran toward him, verse 49, then David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face to the earth. Now, just remember all the armor that he had on. If you ever saw armor, it covers everything. And he had his armor bearer in front with a shield. Yeah. But guess what? It wasn't the shield of faith. Right. David had the shield of faith. Yeah. And when he sent that stone, that smooth stone, it hit the mark because it was Holy Spirit driven. Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Uh, and, and, and then the story continues. And again, I would encourage you to read it. It's just a fascinating, so many truths there and ask the Holy Spirit to bring it out. I want to give us just three or four lessons right now that we can get from this story to take with us. I said earlier, we all have giants. I have giants, you have giants. It's, it, it really, and you know, when you look around and you read the statistics about Christians, they have giants too. Yeah. Come on, they, they really, we really do. And, and, and so 
I need to make a choice. I need to make a choice to get a perspective change so that I can get rid of that giant. And I don't know what your giant is. It could be addiction, it could be pornography, it could be lust, it could be greed, it could be selfishness. I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could just, it's, you know, sometimes people that think if they don't have the big things happening that the little things are okay. But remember, God's a holy, holy God. Nothing's okay but holy, holy, holiness. And so I want us to look at it that way and say, God, I, I, there's, there's, there's anger inside of me. I, I, I don't want that giant in my life anymore. Yeah. And I want to give you just a few thoughts here for how can we get rid of those if we really want to. And, and again, worship is to get our hearts toward the Lord. And I'd like to have the, maybe the worship team come back up uh, as we wrap up this morning. Um, so let me just give you a few lessons. You can just jot a couple thoughts here down maybe. Uh, the lesson number one that I see here is when it comes to, to killing, the, the, when it comes to the giants, is that the enemy keeps coming back. Remember, Goliath kept coming back for 40 days and 40 days, and those guys became afraid and run. They would have just left and ran and went home and, and, and would have never accomplished because the enemy would have went after them and destroyed them at the end of the day. So he doesn't leave you alone and he's not going to stop. And so what enemy taunts you over and over and over? What thing keeps coming back after you and becomes a challenge to you over and over? Uh, and in Samuel 17, 42, like we read, when the Philistines looked and saw David, he was, dis he, he was taunting him, disdaining him or taunting him. And David said, man, what is happening? So he, he keeps coming back, and I don't know what is the area in your life, but I have found in my life in different areas that um, when he keeps coming back, and he keeps coming back, and I really don't deal with it. Remember we talked about Moses having Aaron and her, and those three helping Joshua win the battle? When I have these things that keep coming back, and come back, I just kind of get weary, and I kind of think in my head, well, maybe it's okay. You know, maybe God understands. Can I just be really blunt with you? God never understands sin. He sent his son to die to get rid of sin so you could have eternal life. Why would he ever accept any of it back? And remember what I said, if I can't kill my giant, I'm not gonna kill the giant out there that's taunting our nation. So he keeps coming back, that's one of the things. Second thing is that the enemy will use fear Remember, he was taunting them and saying, I'm going to feed you to the birds. So fear's a biggie. He just uses that. And it's sometimes a fear of loss, uh, you know, a fear of uh, just any number of things. I was talking to somebody the other day. I, and fear is a spirit, by the way. You know that, I think. Um, it, 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 you just wake up and all of a sudden this fear comes over you. You have these rage of thoughts, and if you're not careful, they'll just overtake you and overwhelm you. And you gotta get up. I have found myself at night, you gotta get up and deal with it. You gotta deal with it. It's a giant trying to come and get you. For Samuel talks about that. They were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. I think that, that uh, if I could put it this way, we're living in a Goliath day. He's coming out and he keeps coming out to strike fear into our hearts. And, 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 and part of this prayer thing that we're gonna do for three, three Tuesday evenings is to deal with that. 
because the church can deal with it. And 1 John 14 says, there is no fear in love. Remember, that's relationship. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah the Almighty God, Sava. He's the army is with me. No fear in this thing. And he goes on to say, John says this here, because fear involves torment. And boy, how many can say amen to that? It just does. I have woken up or gotten in a position where fear, I just, it just starts creeping in and all of a sudden torment strikes my heart. And I'm like, wow, this is terrible. Let's not do it alone. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. It's that relationship with Jehovah. Jehovah Salah. The army of God. <laughs> Second Timothy 1.7, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but he gave us power, <laughs> Elohim, love, <laughs> and a sound mind. Man, what a beautiful God, huh? Whatever's looming large in your life, I, I just want you maybe to actually begin to call it a Goliath. You're a Goliath that I'm not going to stand for you. And you may come after me with that sword and that, that javelin and all that you have, but I'm coming after you now in the name of the Lord. Amen. I'm coming after you. Jehovah Sava is with me. Come on, we can do it, church. This is going to be so exciting as you tap into this because, again, I think if we take on our, our giants, he's going to let us take on those giants. He's not going to send us out there to be slaughtered. Isn't this really good news? I mean, this yeah. is exciting to begin to see, man, Jehovah Saba, man, he's the army. Yeah. The, the battle is whose? The Lord's. The victory is whose? It's ours. Let's start getting to victory, folks. Come on. All right. I got to hurry here. I know no. Oh, wait a minute. You guys aren't waiting for the Chiefs game. All right. We got longer. All right. We're good. All right. Number three. Number three. Bob will hang with me if the Chiefs aren't playing. I know that. All right, number three. We must always use his names. But remember, it's out of relationship that I build this relationship and allowing him to be my master that all of a sudden his power begins to come to me and work through me. And, and this is what he says. I'm coming to you, Goliath in the name of the Lord. And if I could just say this to you, whatever area maybe that you're struggling with, it continues to be this thing that's kind of a ball and chain around your life. If I could just say to you, begin to speak these words out. Yes. I'm coming to you yes. in the name of Saba, Jehovah Saba, and I'm not standing for your lies anymore. That's right. And God's going to put a smooth stone in my hand. I'm going to take you out. Come on, let's do it, church. Yes. We must always use his name. Number four, recognize that the real battle is already won. Yes. See, David didn't go in there. He, David went in there kind of like, you know, the, uh, uh, what is it? I don't think it's WWF anymore. It's, it's what is it? WWF, WWF fake maybe, the world wrestling thing. I'm sorry if I said that was fake, but that's all fake. It's all predetermined who's going to win those fights. That's how they keep people excited. Okay, you're going to win this, and you're going to beat each other up proving it. Okay, it's all predetermined. It's kind of like with God. 
<laughs> we, the battle is already won. We are fighting not for the victory. We're fighting from the victory. Right? I mean, to me, I feel like I love it. I, can, I know I'm going to win out of this thing. He's not going to mock me. I'm going to mock him. And then I'm going to watch him fall. But I got to get it. I got to understand it. The real battle's won. Let me just read a couple verses that maybe, maybe just write down the titles of them. Ephesians 1, 3. It's a spiritual battle. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. <clears throat> I'm not looking here. I'm looking here. I'm saying that's what I want to see from Ephesians 1.20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in where? Heavenly places. So our battle isn't with flesh and blood, but if there's principalities and powers that can be dealt with with the heavenly places Amen. that you're seated in. Yes. And it says it's past tense. You are seated in heavenly places. In other words, we have this throne room view of earth right here on earth come on we have a throne room view of earth right on earth yeah. now i don't get exactly how he does that but that is what he says yeah. and we want to begin to see this ephesians 2 6 he's raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus what an awesome thing for me to begin to realize that when the battle gets heavy, I could just, he's got a chair for me in heavenly places that I can sit down. I can get instructions from the master. He'll give me the smooth stone and I can throw it sitting down and it'll still hit its target. And the enemy will cease to win over me and over in any area of my life. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Now don't try to figure that out naturally, but try to envision that spiritually. And it'll begin to change your heart. It'll change what? Your perspective. Amen. What are you looking for? We are fighting not for the victory, but from the victory. The battle has been won. Jesus made that very clear on the cross, didn't he? His famous last words. Say it with me. It is finished. And just close your eyes for just a moment. I feel the Holy Spirit wants to be a giant killer for you. I don't know, you know, what your giant is. But God does. And he doesn't just pull the head off of the dandelions. He's going to go for the root in your life. You know, and again, it might be anger, it might be lust, it might be greed, it might be uh, selfishness. It could be any number of things. I think you probably would be able to identify it like in an instant, you know, if we were all just 
in a different place, I guess, we just stand up and say, this is me, and this is me, and this is me, and now this is me, and I've resisted it so long, and I've been having to resist it for so long, and Goliath was just too big, and now I just believe it can't be resisted. I've already blown it too many times, and nothing's going to get taken care of. And I mean, just the, again, the enemy entangling your mind and your thoughts, because he can only lie. He doesn't have any strength. He's a toothless tiger, as the Bible identifies him. And God wants you to get rid of some giants so that we can get out there and kill the real giant. So I just want to pray. You know, I just don't know. I just want to pray for us. There's something that would transpire right now. And what would transpire would be the hook. The hook. And that's all it can be is just a hook in your heart to be removed. And you'll be set free whatever it is. And I say the heart because he always attacks our emotions. He has to get into our emotions and mess with them because that stabilizes or unstabilizes us. So let's just, let's just pray. And you just agree maybe. And if you want to, in your heart, identify it initially. And then sometime maybe this week, just read through that story and let him reveal more things to you. He's going to help you slay the giant. You won't, you don't have to fight with that guy the rest of your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, right now, I know that it, there's just so many things that you're probably saying and wanting to say to each one of us, and I include myself in this, God. And I, I pray that, Lord, today would be a giant killing day. <laughs> Faith would arise in our hearts. Lord, your goodness will reveal truth to us about the giant that's lying to us and that my mind would be changed and then my perspective would be changed and then my heart can be changed and it'll be out of the abundance of the heart God that everything happens and God I thank you for every person in this room every person watching online today receiving the same truth because your arm is not short <laughs> You reach everywhere. And God, we just release ourselves to you today and just we just reach back to being honest and transparent with ourselves, God, and you. And ask that you would just really do a work in us today, God. We we recognize the things that you we even want to get rid of and maybe don't admit that we can. Take away our weariness and renew our strength as we wait on you today. And Lord, bless every person here.